You are Locked On Kings, your daily podcast on the Sacramento Kings. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And now, ladies and gentlemen, it is that time. Time for another episode of Locked On Kings. We are back to draft coverage as we are officially 15 days away from the 2020 NBA draft on November 18th. And today I am joined by CBS senior draft analyst Gary Parrish. He is a partner of Kyle Boone, who I talked to a couple of weeks ago. Their mock drafts are very different, and that's what makes this draft so exciting to me, that there aren't consensus picks, that the top three, the top five, even the top 10 aren't guaranteed. I love that about this draft. Gary is going to provide some excellent insight on Neesmith, on Devin Vassell, on Patrick Williams, Obi Toppin. There's so much in this interview today that you are going to enjoy, that you are going to learn from, and it's all right here for you on the Locked on Kings podcast. Hello, everybody. Welcome into Locked On Kings, your podcast hub for Sacramento Kings coverage all regular season and all offseason. If you're looking for in-depth analysis, game-by-game breakdowns, highlights, interviews with local and national experts, full coverage of the Sacramento Kings from January through December, this is the place for you, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. My name is Matt George. I have the privilege of being your host here. I've been a Sacramento sports radio host for over the last six years, just wrapped up my sixth season covering the Kings, both as an on-air host and multimedia journalist, and I wanted to wish all of you, regardless of what side you're on, regardless of your view on politics, regardless of if you're a Democrat or Republican, if you vote for Biden or you vote for Donald Trump, I hope you have a safe, happy, and great election day today. That's all that I'm going to mention it, but of course it is a big day uh, in our country and I hope you are able to, uh, to, however you want to handle it, however you want to approach it, that you're able to do so uh, peacefully, happily, and that we can all uh, move forward as a country regardless of the results in a positive way. You are going to enjoy my conversation with Gary Parrish today. I absolutely guarantee it. I loved every second of it. Gary and Kyle, they are my go-to guys when it comes to mock drafts and NBA draft buildup and NBA draft coverage. They do such a phenomenal job. Of course, Gary has been in the game a very, very long time. So to be able to get him on the Locked on Kings podcast is an absolute win for me and a win for all of you who are listening. So enjoy Gary's insight on this upcoming draft. It'll get you excited about some prospects. The Kings have a big decision to make with the number 12 pick, assuming they stay there. And Gary feels that they will have some good options. Take a listen to Gary Parrish right here on the Locked on Kings podcast. A couple of weeks ago, I was joined by CBS Sports NBA mock draft and NBA draft analyst Kyle Boone, and he shared a number of interesting things with us here on Locked On Kings. He felt that Devin Vassell was the perfect pick for Sacramento at 12, assuming he would fall that far. And he also said that if he were the Kings or if he were drafting for any team, he would avoid 
Anthony Edwards. Well, now I have his partner, his co-worker and friend at CBS Sports, TV analyst for CBS Sports, basketball columnist, uh, does a phenomenal job building up to the NBA draft. I look forward to his mock drafts every single year. Also, the host of the Gary Parish Show uh, in Memphis. It is Gary Parish joining me. Gary, it's a pleasure to have you on, my friend. Thank you so much for taking the time. I'm excited to talk NBA draft with you. I told Kyle that I actually enjoyed having last season off or last year off in a way with the Kings not having a, a lottery pick for the first time in forever, it seems like. But now we're back into the grind, and it's good to be able to really dive into your mock drafts again. I appreciate the invitation. It's always uh, good to talk to you, and um, you're exactly right. Like This is going to be a, an interesting draft because there is not a whole lot of consensus about even what tier certain players are in. Typically, you know, we, we sort of can all agree on who should go one or at least who should be the top two. In this draft, I think you could maybe take the top four or even five picks. Or let me rephrase. I think you could ask front office executives to list the top five picks in order, and you would maybe get the same five players a lot but you would have a whole bunch of different orders. Somebody I'm certain who's going to go fifth in this draft might be at the, or at least fourth in this draft might be at the top of somebody else's um, big board. And that, that is not a normal thing. It could not be a more extreme difference from last year to this year, right? Not just with everything going on with COVID-19, how that's affected the NBA and just basketball schedule in general, but going from Zion and John Morant, you knew one and two, it was already established months before we even knew who would be picking at those spots to this situation where it could be LaMelo Ball number one, it could be Edwards, it could be Wiseman, it could be Obi Toppin, it it could be anybody. Uh, And to me, that almost makes for a more exciting and fun draft night because not only only do you have the mixed bag of where potential prospects could go and picks could go. You also have the possibility of a lot of crazy moves being made because we're in an abnormal offseason where the trade market hasn't been opened yet and free agency is going to be right after the draft. I think we're in for a really, really entertaining draft night when it happens later this month. Yeah, like, listen, it, you know, on draft night, I think most NBA fans, you know, watch the NBA draft from, from start to at least something close to finish. Because you do want to see in normal times, you know, young men realize a dream and walk across the stage and shake hands with Adam Silver. Um, Obviously, this is going to be a virtual draft. But my point is, in those other drafts, like last season's draft, if you didn't, last year's draft, rather, if you didn't tune in until the really the fourth pick, um, you weren't going to be surprised by what happened one, two, three. Um, To hammer home your point, it was clear even before the Pelicans won the lottery that Zion Williamson was going number one, no matter which franchise got the first pick. A little bit like in 2015, anybody would have taken Carl Anthony Towns, number one. 2012, anybody would have taken Anthony Davis, number one. 2003, anybody would have taken LeBron James, number one. Mm -hmm. And then it, it was not only speculated on, but actually reported by reputable NBA reporters that the Grizzlies were going to take John Morant with the second pick literally the day after the lottery. And then we knew R.J. Barrett would go three. Uh, This draft is nothing like that draft because I I, I, I think it's possible we'll have a better idea of which way Minnesota is leaning, you know, on the morning of the draft. You know, sometimes we we do. But at this moment, if you told me Minnesota took LaMelo Ball or Anthony Edwards 
or any even uh, Denny Avdia, none of that would be surprising to me. The only thing that would surprise me among the people that are actually at the top of the draft, um, it would be if they took James Wiseman, and that's because they have a 24-year-old All-NBA center under contract right now. So I don't know that you take another center with the first pick, but – you know, if they moved off that pick, then suddenly Wiseman's back in play to be the number one pick. Like I said earlier, you could take at least the top four and maybe the top five and perhaps even deeper picks, throw them in a hat, pull them out in any order, and it probably wouldn't be unreasonable. There's just not and, – and there's two reasons for that. One is, like, there's just not some obvious transcendent talent in this draft. There will be somebody in this draft who becomes a – multi-year all-star and maybe even a hall of famer but that guy's not so easy to identify like like he is in other drafts um so so that's the the main part of it and then of the people who are under consideration for the first pick um i I mean i've talked to enough nba people to know that you know some of them like uh, Lamelo ball and wouldn't sniff anthony edwards with the first pick Others would take Anthony Edwards and wouldn't touch LaMelo Ball. Right. And those two players could maybe go one and two. So there's a lot of uncertainty leading into this thing. Yeah, you have LaMelo going to the Wolves at number one, Edwards number two to Golden State. And those are two very interesting spots because, first off, it's crazy that Golden State is even there to begin with, assuming that they're going to get healthy and be right back in the title picture, at least in my opinion. So it makes sense that they might want to shop that pick. But then you have the Minnesota Timberwolves, who are or who just acquired D'Angelo Russell. They already have Cat, like you talk about. So maybe they're more interested in, this, in in adding established talent to try and compete and win right away. And from a Kings perspective, those are two of the few teams that were beneath you in the West that are likely going to leapfrog you, uh, which has us feeling a little doom and gloom here in Sacktown. But let me ask you this, Gary: the likelihood you feel of either one of those teams or both of those teams trading away that pick? And I, we've been talking a lot, a lot of speculation here in Sacramento about if the Kings wanted to try and move up in a draft in the draft or get involved. Their biggest trade piece that they have out there is Buddy Heald. And because of his contract, I know things can get difficult, but this draft doesn't have a consensus top pick. It's not considered to be one of the strongest draft classes on the planet, which is argued every single year. I don't know how much better a team could get for a top pick than a player of Buddy Heald's caliber. It just doesn't make sense to me that a Golden State or a Minnesota would be able to trade away those top two picks or one of those top two picks and get a talent better than Buddy Heald. Am I off base there? Um, I don't, not necessarily. Like I, I do think the Warriors would prefer to move off of their pick. Yeah. I mean, they've got Steph Curry probably on the backside of his prime right now. You know, still in his prime, but you know, he's he's not 25 years old anymore. Uh, they're trying to win now. Mm-hmm. I, I think, you know, when you start looking at Western Conference projections for next season, the Warriors are probably going to be in the top three, according to everybody, right there with the Lakers and the Clippers. Yep, uh, they'd certainly be in my top three at least. And so, um, yes, a rookie can help you. We watched a rookie Tyler Hero help the Miami Heat get to the NBA Finals this season. But more often than not, rookies don't play prominent roles or even meaningful roles for teams that are competing for championships. And so if you're Golden State, if you can get something of value that is a veteran who is equipped to help Clay Thompson, Steph Curry, Draymond Green 
try, win, try to win a world championship again in 2021, that's what you would do. And if not, then I think you just take best talent available. And for me, that would be whoever is not selected number one, LaMelo Ball or Anthony Edwards. If we're assuming one of them goes number one, I would just take the, the one that falls to me. I would consider James Wiseman, but the issue there is that Golden State has established years ago that its most effective lineup is going to involve Draymond Green playing center right. in crunch time of, of meaningful games. And so do you really want to spend the second pick on a center and a guy who is nothing but a center if, if he's going to ultimately get played off the court in big games because you know that Draymond playing the five is, is best for you? So, listen, if, if the Kings wanted to call me, and, and talk, I would certainly uh, listen. Uh, but I think, you know, Golden State at this point would be willing to listen to, to just about anybody um, and then try to get – if they identify a veteran who can help immediately and they put more value on that than whoever they could take at number two, then I think that deal gets made. If not, I think they just select best prospect available. But, and, and as it relates to the Timberwolves, I would assume they're going to make that pick. They are listening as well, but I would – put it probably at 80-20 that Minnesota actually uses the number one pick on uh, on somebody, um, you know, at the top of this draft class. Today's episode of the Locked on Kings podcast is brought to you by Built Go, the healthy replacement for your energy drink, but the energy is not fake. It's lasting and it's natural. Built Go makes you the best you at whatever you do. It helps you break through your wall. Now, I don't, I don't know about you guys, but whether it's about 5, 6 p.m. after my workday or even in the middle of my workday, I kind of start to run out of steam. With Built Go, I'm able to overcome that. It helps me naturally get my second wind in a healthy way. Whether it's a mental or physical wall, you can break through it with Go every day. It's easy to take in one and a half ounce packages. You can either put it in your briefcase for your most focused presentation ever. One of the things that I do is put it in my golf bag so I can power through the back nine. Uh, You can also put it in your pocket just to get through your day. Built Go is the best workout gel on the market. It's like a five-hour energy but it's without that same crash feeling at the end. Plus, it's natural, so it's better for your body. It's like drinking a Monster Energy drink, but with a third of the caffeine and better results. It also comes in three delicious flavors, peanut butter honey, chocolate coconut, and my favorite, chocolate mint. But how does Built Go work so well? Well, it combines energy gel with collagen protein. Collagen protein is a fast-absorbing protein, so it gets into my system fast, plus it's easy on the stomach. And on top of that, it promotes joint soft tissue, hair, and skin health. So this stuff not only makes you feel better, it makes you look better. Go to BuiltGo.com. Use promo code LOCKED, L-O-C-K-E-D, and you'll get 20% off of your next order. That's promo code LOCKED for 20% off right now at BuiltGo.com. It's a fantastic deal. It'll make you feel better. It'll make you look better. It'll help you break through that wall. BuiltGo.com. Before we go down to pick number 12, where the Sacramento Kings are as of right now and and who you uh, had them selecting in your latest mock draft earlier in October, uh, I do want to ask you a similar question that I asked Kyle, and that's my expectation for this draft. Now, it's hard to have any expectations for any draft following the Sacramento Kings with their draft history, but 
I'm looking for someone in this draft who can come in and can contribute in Sacramento right away. And I told Kyle, I'm not looking for an, a rookie of the year candidate. I'm not looking for a future all-star. I'm not even looking for an all-NBA rookie team. If he gets there, great. But that's not the priority here. The priority is bringing someone in who who fits a role, fills a need, and can come in and can help and can contribute. And that fans aren't second-guessing whether he deserves floor time or not right away. I asked Kyle if he thinks there's somebody in that range uh, or there are options in that range for the Kings to check those boxes. He said, absolutely. Do you feel the same way? I do. Um, one guy that, that pops to mind would be Sadiq Bey, the two-year forward out of Villanova, who was a sub-100 recruit coming out of high school, but was Villanova's best freshman two seasons ago. Like he was the least heralded prospect in the class, but the most impactful from the jump and then becomes the best player on a Big East championship team last season while making 45% of his three-point attempts. So you've got a guy here who's like six foot eight, can play either forward position, can reliably make um, perimeter shots, um, can switch onto smaller players, guard multiple positions, understands how to play, comes from a program that has a history for of, of producing quality NBA players and a program that plays modern NBA basketball. They played modern basketball at Villanova with, um, you know, a lot of perimeter-oriented, even big shooting. So I do think Sadiq Bey, if he were available at 12, I don't have him available at 12, but I recognize I'm higher on him than most. But if he were available at 12, I think he – falls under the umbrella of what you're looking for, somebody who is ready to contribute as a rookie. Not everybody in that range, even in the top 10, is going to be that. I think Sadiq Bey is that. Yeah, you have Sadiq Bey at number 10 in your mock draft. And for comparison, Kyle has Sadiq Bey going to Orlando at number 15. It just goes to show, and that's what I love so much about these mock drafts this year is they're so different, and it just makes for entertaining content and to guess which is correct and which isn't. Uh, but Sadiq Bey is interesting. You have the sharpshooter Aaron Naismith uh, going to, or Neesmith rather, going to the Sacramento Kings at number 12. And on Kyle's side, he has Devin Vassell. Now, he labeled Vassell right away as the guy that he thinks makes the most sense for Sacramento. Can shoot and provide something on offense, but also uh, fits the, the Kings' need in the wing position. Uh, can play on the defensive end as well. Defensively, if the Kings are going to draft someone uh, who provides stuff on defense, I'm hoping they bring in someone who you don't have to teach the effort to. Maybe the fundamentals at the NBA level, but effort should not be a, a question mark. Uh, and that's one of the things that Kyle um, pushed with Devin Vassell. Why do you have Neesmith at number 12 is it just because of that shooting I talked a lot about Neesmith potentially as a fantastic Buddy Heald replacement now he's not going to be as good as Buddy Heald right away but if you move on from Buddy Heald and want some of that shooting back Neesmith is a pretty good option I I like him a lot Um, we just watched an NBA playoff unusual NBA playoff but still where shooting is the key to everything and I know that sounds silly when you're talking about basketball or it might sound silly to some like oh Thanks, uh, uh, Mr. Analyst. Yeah, shooting is important <laughs> in basketball. Right. But uh, my point is, it hasn't always been this important. It, it is more important today than it's ever been. Like, the, 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 you know, I, I'm assuming in this draft down at 28, the Lakers are going to uh, select somebody who can be a shooter on the court to play with LeBron James and Anthony Davis. Um, Miami, what do they do? They, whether it's Duncan Robinson or Tyler Hero or um, 
uh, you know, uh, Jay Crowder. You know, they, they're putting multi, every team tries or would at least prefer to have at least three, maybe even four, sometimes five shooters on the court at all times now. And so what does Aaron Neesmith have that is an undeniable skill? Can really shoot it. He's six foot six, great body, made 52.2% of the 115 three pointers that he attempted last season. Um, I think sometimes when people evaluate drafts or draft prospects, um, we focus too much on the things we think they can't do mm. as opposed to the things that they can clearly do well. Because here's the truth about NBA players. Almost nobody can do everything well at the NBA level. Like right. if you can do lots of things well at the NBA level, well, you're LeBron James or you're Kevin Durant or, you know, you're a, you're a Hall of Fame guy. Most players are on the court because they do a very specific thing well. Um, can they can they uh, uh, be a great on-ball defender? Okay, then you get to play. Can you, um, you know, that's, that's Lou Dort at Oklahoma City, right? Like he, he can't do much else but he can guard the ball so he gets on the court for a playoff team. Um, you know, can you switch on the smaller players if you're, if you're a forward oh, or, or even a five? Okay, you get to play. We don't care what else you can do. You can do that. That's useful. Neesmith can shoot. Like, I, know, I know he has one identifiable skill at the very least that, translate to the NBA, that translates well to the NBA. He can really really shoot it and he's not a little shooter again six foot six nice body and so um the kings were an average i'm not telling you anything you don't know average three-point shooting team this past season um if you can add shooting um that's always a good thing i think every you know we talk about team needs sometimes every team needs shooting every team and and here's a guy who might be the the, the best shooter in the draft now with the cell i have him going 13th and he's a shooter as well. Six seven, made forty two percent of his three point attempts last season. So um, you know, Cal and I aren't um, that different on this. We both have Aaron Neesmith and Devin Vassell in the same range. I just have Neesmith slightly ahead of Vassell, but it, it's not crazy to have Vassell above Neesmith. And if you are Sacramento, to circle back to the initial question, if you're Sacramento, honestly. I think if one of those guys is available to you and you end up with one of them, you feel pretty good about it. I, I would agree 100%. Now, I have a kind of a two-part question about Neesmith. You talked about his, his great shooting. Now, he enjoyed a explosion of a year, although it was a, a shortened season, shooting over 50% from three-point range, if I'm not mistaken, just absolutely exploded onto the scene. I don't think it's fair at all to expect him to be able to continue that at the NBA level, and it would have been interesting to see if that hot shooting would have cooled down down going into the NCAA tournament uh, in March and and even beyond that. But is it wrong to expect Vassell to be a, or uh, sorry, Neesmith to be a over 40% three-point shooter right out of the gate as a rookie? That's kind of question 1A. And then question 1B is defensively, is Neesmith going to fit into that, oh, he's okay and can do his job category or liability category? I'll take the first one first. Um, I don't know that I, you know, if you told me, hey, here's $5,000, you want to bet it yes or no that Aaron Neesmith's going to shoot above 40% from three-point range as a rookie. I don't know that I'd be comfortable making that bet. Mm-hmm. But I would, be, I would be comfortable saying this. I think he can develop into somebody who shoots above 40% from three-point range. I mean, you know, 115 three-point attempts, that's not a small number. Yeah. He was, he was 60 of 115, and then, of course, he gets hurt. 
season over, I do not believe he would have shot 52% from three-point range. I do think he would have, you know, to use your word, cooled off. But but I do I think he would have cooled off so much that he would have dipped below 40? No, I think he'd have shot 45, 46% from three-point range. I mean, when you are when you are taking as many as he was taking, eight a game and making, you know, a little more than four, like that that's not insignificant, particularly when you combine it with the fact that in two years at Vanderbilt, he shot above 82% from three point. I mean, from the free throw line, uh, again, both seasons. So free throw shooting is often a good indicator of whether somebody can actually shoot. You know, sometimes you can be dismissive of a three point percentage if somebody is actually a good free throw shooter, because it implies, or at least suggests, well, maybe it's shot selection. Maybe it's just need a little more time in the gym. But if somebody can make free throws at a high level, there's reasons to believe, and there's, there's like a lot of data on this, that they can become a high-level three-point shooter or at least a respectable three-point shooter if they're not already. So what does it mean when you got somebody who is already an awesome three-point shooter and an awesome free-throw shooter? It means he can shoot. Mm-hmm. And so the, the question becomes for guys like him, isn't whether they're going to make shots. He's going to make shots. The question becomes, can you keep him on the court? Like, I, I deal with this in college basketball all the time. Like, you know, the, some you know, power conference will recruit a, a kid who's ranked, you know, a hundred and uh, power conference team will recruit somebody who's ranked 185th in his high school class and he's six foot tall. And you say, oh, really? Well, why did they take him? And they go, oh, man, he can really shoot it. Okay, but can he get on the court? So you can't, you can't get on the court. It doesn't matter how great of a shooter you are. Like, I went to high school with a guy who, um, you know, if, if we were playing a horse, he'd never miss a shot. But, like, he's not a basketball player. He's just a really good shooter. Um, you've got to be able to get on the court to let your shooting be impactful. And so to, I guess I would bottom line it this way. I, I think Aaron Neesmith can do enough other things well enough to get him on the court so that he can do the one thing that he can clearly do at a high level um, in an impactful way, and that that is is shoot the basketball. Will he ever be a um, all defensive NBA guy? I, I don't know, but again, he doesn't have any obvious physical limitations that's going to make it where he can't be a, a quality um, a quality player on that end of the court. You know, if he were six foot one, I'd be concerned. He's six six, nice body, good enough athlete. That's a great place to start. Vassell and Neesmith have been two of the three main names talked about and debated about in Sacramento at that number 12 range. The third name was Patrick Williams, who has, I guess, tremendous upside athleticism, more of a defensive juggernaut than anything else, not a very refined or polished offensive game from what I can tell just from from watching and, and reading mock drafts and reading profiles on him. Uh, but he's the one that I was the most skeptical about, and it seems like you agree with me in that sense. What's weird is you have him down at 19 going to the Brooklyn Nets, which is the lowest I've seen, and uh, Kyle has him all the way at 8 going to the New York Knicks. So what is it about uh, Williams that has him so low for you? Do you think he should even be considered by the Kings at number 12? What is really his upside, if you don't mind chatting about Williams a little bit? Oh, listen, he should definitely be considered. You know, that I have him at 19, um, you know, is not uh, any reason to say, well, then he can't reasonably be selected 
at, at 12. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, I, I do think that if I'm going through this draft right now, you know, I, I think LaMelo Ball, Anthony Edwards, James Wiseman, Obi Toppin, Denny Avdia, like those five guys for me, and it could be another five guys for somebody else, but those five guys for me could reasonably go in any order. I, I don't think there's that much difference between them. I think LaMelo Ball and Anthony Edwards have a higher upside than, say, 22-year-old Obi Toppin. But if you told me in five years Obi Toppin was the best player from this draft, it would not surprise me at all. And so then after that, there's a tier of players that in my mind are like Tyrese Halliburton, Killian Hayes, Sadiq Bey, Onyeka Okongwu, um, Aaron Neesmith, Isaac Okoro, maybe even Devin Vassell. Like those, are, that's the next tier for me. And then like, if you wanted to throw Patrick Williams, Kyra Lewis, Tyrese Maxey, RJ Hampton, Precious Achua, that, 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 they could go in any order. I guess I'd put it this way. In some drafts, I do believe there is a significant difference between drafting 12th and, say, 19th. In this draft, I don't think there's that big of a difference between drafting 12th and 19th. In fact, I, I would guarantee you this. There is somebody that's going to be available at 19 that is going to be in the top 12 of some NBA franchises big board Mm. like that is going to happen that doesn't always happen in in some drafts like the players come off more or less in the order that we expect it and then you'll get one random like what phoenix did last year and everybody goes oh wow i didn't think he could go that high that happens as well but usually um i i guess looking back at my draft, i remember saying this multiple years you know okay there's 12 players off the off the board now and I had 11 of them off the board at this point. Now, not in the exact order, but, but they came, the, the, the players came off more or less in the order that they were supposed to come off. With this one, I could bookmark my latest mock draft now, and somebody I have in the top 12 is going to go outside of the top 20, and somebody I have 19 or 20 is probably going to go inside of the top 12. It's that kind of draft. So am I right in assuming that if Gary Parrish was in charge of the Sacramento Kings and the Kings were on the clock at number 12 and Neesmith, Vassell, and Williams were all three available for selection, you would, you would pick Neesmith, correct? That is correct. I would, I, would, I would put Neesmith and Vassell in a category above Patrick Williams, mm. but I also wouldn't think it's crazy to, to, to select Patrick Williams there because he might have – um, more potential than either of the players I would prefer, but the G League and I say unemployment line. I don't mean that literally, but you get the point. Uh, they're filled with players who had lots of potential. Um, with Neesmith, I know he's got one obvious skill that's going to it should keep him in the NBA. With Vassell, um, I, I, I feel like a six-seven guy who can who made forty-two percent of his three-point shots. Like that—that's something that can keep you in the NBA. Patrick Williams is a better prospect than he is a player at this point. Um, it doesn't mean he can't be a great player, but I do think you are rolling the dice more on him than you are those other guys. Now, those dice might hit the right way, and you've got somebody who looks like a future All Star. And I'm not saying that you should always go with the safer pick. Not at all. Uh, in fact, like to, to hammer home that point, I think Obi Toppin is a safer pick than Lamelo Ball but I wouldn't take Obi Toppin over LaMelo Ball. 
So I'm not saying you should always take the safer pick, but I do think that Vassell and Neesmith are, at least in my mind, obviously safer picks and guys who are better equipped to help you quick more quickly than, than Patrick Williams is. Well, the Kings don't necessarily have the best track record of developing talent when they decide to not go the safe route. So maybe Kings fans would prefer the Kings going safe and taking a Neesmith or Vassell uh, in that situation instead of Williams. That's definitely what I would prefer. You may have already answered this question, and I want to wrap up with this, Gary. Thank you so much for taking the time. Uh you you talked a lot about how high you are on Sadiq Bay, and maybe if he was available at 12, you would take him for the Kings, absolutely. But are there other players, maybe late lottery, uh, in the late first round, even in the second round, a player that uh, two, three years from now we're going to go, that, that guy was the gem, the darling of the draft, who nobody expected to really turn into something great, and he, he ended up just coming out and being that Cinderella story. Is there a guy there that you have on your radar? Well, I mean... I, I'm not predicting this, but people are really down on Cole Anthony right now. Mm-hmm. And it was less than a year ago when some people thought he would be the number one pick in the 2020 NBA draft. He goes to Carolina. He is inefficient. Then he gets hurt, comes back, is inefficient. But he did score, and I don't know how great his supporting cast was. You know, he wasn't playing with shooters. We talked about shooting earlier. He wasn't playing with shooters. Um, so there were no driving lanes. He's obviously best, you know, getting to the rim. He he didn't shoot a great percentage. It's right around 35% from three-point range. But some of that is shot selection. Like, I feel like if you could rein him in a little bit, um, you, you know, you could, you could, you know, maybe get a top five talent, you know, with a sub-15 pick. Now, I, I'm not suggesting that Sacramento should look that direction. Mm-hmm. You've got your point guard. But if we look up in three years and go – wow, how did Cole Anthony slip to 18th in the 2020 draft or 15th in the 2020 draft? Like, I don't think that that's um, uh, off the table. You know, I, I understand his flaws, and I understand why, you know, people, I understand why he's not un, in, under consideration for the number one pick anymore, but, but he is super talented. And what we might find out is he is that, that, that type of guy who ends up being a much better NBA player than he was able to show he was as a player in college. Uh, on the other hand, he could also just be somebody who gets a lot of points for bad teams throughout his career. Like, I, I, I can envision that as well. But, you know, I, I, I do think it's, it's unusual for somebody to, to be thought of so little after previously being thought of as a possible number one pick in the draft. That's, that's, you usually don't slip as far as it appears Cole Anthony might slip. 15 days away from the NBA draft on November 18th. Gary, what can NBA fans, Kings fans, all fans of the NBA draft expect from from you, from CBS, uh, as the draft approaches? Any great stuff that you're working on? Any more mock drafts coming? And I guess what should everybody expect just in general for draft night itself? Yeah, I will have at least two more mock drafts going up before the night of the draft. One, I believe I'll have to check the calendar, but next week perhaps. And it will be my first 60 pick two round mock draft that I've done for, for this year. So that'll be fresh and um, hopefully interesting. And then on, I believe it's Monday, November 9th, we will be doing a live mock draft on CBS Sports HQ, where we just, it'll be me and 
I'm honestly not sure whom else, but in previous um, editions of this, it's been Cal Boone, uh, former NBA coach of the year, Avery Johnson, uh, sometimes Tim Doyle, who you know works for CBS Sports, but also uh, NBA TV. And we just alternate picks and, and have a good time discussing the players while recognizing that, you know, every year heading into the draft, we think we've got this stuff figured out. And then, you know, the draft happens and it, 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 there's some surprises. And then, you know, actual professional seasons happen. And rarely do we look back and go, yep, we had it exactly right. I mean, you look back just a few years ago, if we had that to do over again, and I'm certain in Sacramento they wish they did, Luka Doncic would be everybody's number one pick. Right. And yet he was um, nobody's or, or very few franchises' number one pick. So I, I try to remind myself every year leading into the draft, like don't get too dug in on any of this stuff because, uh, you know, when you do that, you, you tend to make yourself look foolish. Talking about can't miss guys uh, or um, certain bust guys, like you'll like speaking definitively about prospects, what they're going to become um, has a, a way of making you look silly. I've made myself look silly in the past. So I try to leave wiggle room for everything. And that would be my advice for anybody out there discussing draft prospects. Always leave open the possibility that this person could be way better than you think or not nearly as good as you think, because it happens literally every single year. There's a reason why Gary Parrish, Kyle Boone, the entire CBS Sports crew is my go-to for mock drafts and for NBA draft buildup and coverage every single year. Gary, I could talk to you all day long. You've been so generous with your time. Thank you so much for uh, for taking the time to join me here on Locked on Kings. I look forward to chatting with you again, hopefully uh, in the near future. Hopefully this is a good draft in the end for the Sacramento Kings and we can all enjoy some bit of normalcy, even though it's in November, having the NBA draft back here very, very shortly. Uh, gives us hope for next season and the world getting somewhat back to normal. So I appreciate you taking the time and all the excellent work that you do. Uh, You're nice to say that. It's my pleasure. Stay safe and thanks for having me. Man, it was so much fun having Gary Parrish on. If you agree with anything we said, disagree with anything we said, who would you pick at number 12 if you're the Sacramento Kings? Let me know right now at MattGeorgeKHDK on Twitter. You can also find Gary on Twitter at GaryParrishCBS. I highly encourage you to follow him. Check out all of his work, all of the work that he and Kyle put out, uh, his two mock drafts coming up before the draft itself on the 18th. You will not be disappointed with the coverage. You will definitely go into the draft feeling more confident confident and comfortable and definitely having a better idea of not just the prospects that the Kings might be interested in, but all the prospects in general and any of the crazy moves that could happen on draft night. It really was a treat to be able to get both of them. uh, And I'm so thankful for Gary uh, for taking the time during this chaotic period to join me here today on Locked on Kings. Tomorrow, we have some interesting things to discuss as Sacramento Kings owner Vivek Ranadive appeared on Sports 1140 KHDK Radio, which is the flagship radio station of the Kings in Sacramento. He was on with Carmichael Dave in the morning, and he said some interesting things about the process of hiring Monty McNair and also talked about uh, his assurance or his belief that we will have basketball around Christmas time. So I'm going to play some of that audio for you, and we will discuss that and then some on tomorrow's Locked on Kings podcast. Please join me for that. Until then, my name is Matt George. You have been listening to Locked on Kings, part of the Locked on Podcast Network. You are Locked on Kings, your daily Sacramento Kings podcast. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team 
every day.